and we're back. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. You're James. Hey, bud. How's baseball season going this summer? Good. What are James, you? James, have you hit any dingers? Yeah. Dingers are home. Can you tell them what your what your batting uh, percentages so far? What are you like nine of ten? It's pretty good. Twenty-seven out of twenty-nine. Twenty-seven out of twenty-nine. So, uh, James on his first coach pitch game this year went like three for. Th I think I texted Luke about this. He went three for three with two RBI and two great defensive plays. And I texted my siblings, you know, scattered around the country and said, never in my life at any level of athletic competition did I have a game like that. So uh, <laughs> it's all good. Hey, James, um, did you know you're signed up for Coach DeKeer's basketball camp in August? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun, won't it? I don't know. Hey, anything else you want to talk about? All right. Hey, thanks for coming. Good to see you, James. All right. So yeah, we're uh, we're getting through summer with COVID. Really interesting. But um, we got a great guest with us today. I don't know. I feel like a couple times this uh, this COVID season, we've we've kind of batted above our average a little bit, and I think we're doing that again tonight. Um, I think I think our guest tonight might be the friendliest guy in the. UM Athletic Department. Um, most people know him, you know, either around town or around GSA events. If you don't, you know him as Mr. Yahtzee himself, Greg Sunberg. So, Greg, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and I'll tell you what, I think I'm in trouble with James. He's going to be taking my job here real short, like, if not mine, it will be Riley's. But, uh, no, thanks for having me on, and you know, quite honestly, thanks for doing this podcast for uh, Grizz fans. It's fantastic that uh, you guys are very knowledgeable of what's going on from your involvement and from your fanship, and it's it's pretty impressive what you guys do with this podcast. So thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, so I guess I want to start off real quick since, since I kind of referenced it in the intro, and I think it's how a lot of people know you. Um, how did you start the Yahtzee call on uh, Grizz football radio broadcasts? Jeez, that, you know what? And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been asked that, to be honest. And the, 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 the truth of it is I have no idea. I really don't. I uh, remember when I started the, the whole radio gig, I tell the story of we're on a football um, trip, a road trip, and we're going from the airport to the hotel and this was when the the great Mick Colleen was calling games and we just started talking about the upcoming basketball season and the one thing led to the the next thing and the next thing and sooner or later I was doing color with Mick on basketball and then he asked me to do sideline reporting for football and then the the rest is kind of history on how I got involved and the big thing is, and, and my two boys who are 12 and 9 say it sounds a little cheesy at times, Dad, but I think it's just getting caught up in the game just like you or you guys or anybody else that feels a big touchdown or a big play. And I guess it's just my call, and I like to have some fun with him and, and let her rip sometimes. 
but it's all good. I don't, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> it's when the, 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 whoever puts together the highlight video after every game in the athletic department always works in at least one good Yahtzee. Yeah, that's good. And if you don't hear one, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad highlight reel then. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, Brent. Bad highlight reel. No, it's all good. So Greg, we always kind of like to to give our, our listeners a little bit of a background on on the person they may know as, you know, the guy in UM athletics. But what um what's been your kind of story as far as what you started in UM athletics and kind of leading up to what you're doing now? Yeah, it's I'll tell you, I took uh well, I'd say 20 years later, I've taken a, a road that's probably most people don't anymore in, in the world of sports or specifically college athletics. So the way I got to, I was, I was born in Billings, raised in the state of Washington for some time. And then really my hometown um, became and still is um, Great Falls, Montana. So central part of Montana. My dad worked for Butchery Foods, a Northwest grocery chain for 30 some mm -hmm. years and so that's, that's kind of my childhood, but then I was an avid into sports. I had the great fortune of getting recruited to play football for the Grizz. My body did not agree that I should be a football player. <laughs> and so um, the, the head coach of Saskatchewan right now, Craig Dickinson, uh, was one of my recruiting coordinators when Mick Denny, he was there, and he – kind of got me connected with Dave Guffey a few years past when I came into school and I knew I wanted to be in sports I didn't know if I wanted to even get in coaching or what it might be long story short I got uh or I received an internship with Dave Guffey Guffey and um, communications which then led me to assistant marketing director to director of marketing to assistant director of the GSA to director of GSA to assistant athletic director and now to senior associate athletic director. So very um, unheard of, quite honestly, to stay at a department and work your way through. So many people have to leave whatever school they're at in college mm -hmm. athletics. But I'll, I'll be honest, and I, and I say this at 41 years old, um, when my wife and I both found jobs out of school in Missoula, we always joked that we were on borrowed time. Because we just loved the, loved the institution, first and foremost, that gave us both a great education. But then we loved the Missoula community. And not that a lot of knocks have been at my door, but a few to go other places. And I just come back to, I don't know if I can really do what I do for another school. Like, it's easy for me to sell what we do, how we do it for our student-athletes. Uh, what we strive for day in, day out, what we want the end game to be for our student athletes. And I can't say every school in the country at a division one level can say that. Um, and so therefore I've, I've stuck it out and, and I'm very fortunate to, to work at Grizzly athletics in the university of Montana. And that's kind of a, sorry if it's too long winded of a story, but that's kind of how I'm, sitting here today and I've had the great opportunity to work with great ADs that allowed me opportunities to move move through the ranks of Grizzly Athletics. Awesome. Greg, did, uh, did Guppy ever tell you about the uh, the best score runner for Chris Walter's that he had ever employed? Oh Was God. it you? 
Was it you? Because Although, technically the story is Guffy had me replaced so his son could take over, but um, <laughs> the amount of nepotism in the athletic department at that point was just something I couldn't handle. Oh man, my first, I, I, this is how, this dates me now. One of my first jobs in basketball, by the way, this is when releases were thrown through the fax machine, but I had the great privilege of doing shot charts, like with a pencil, um, shot charts courtside. And I thought I'm in heaven. I get courtside seats. I got shot chart and believe it or not, I sat right. Uh, Chris Walter Sturgeon sat in between Dave and I, I have fond memories of Chris. And for those that have been around in Missoula a long time, you talk about a sports figure, of caring for sports and young people and what a character what a character but anyway small world brent that you and i both uh did those running things i pulled a hammy time or two which just showed which just showed that i was not a division one athlete i'll tell you that <laughs> so something else in your background you probably didn't realize is that for about a week period you uh you were one of these hosts, uh, football coach at Sentinel High School. Right. right. Did you do one season of football coaching or? I, I think it was a total, I think it was. And I knew, again, here we go. I mean, I don't know what I'm cut, uh, cut out for, fellas. I really don't. But I was not <laughs> cut out to be a coach, even though we had a great run. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And now, as it sits, my both my sons will be at Sentinel. but. A good buddy that I played in a couple All-Stars games with got me involved, Pat McDonald, who mm -hmm. uh, lives in Billings now. Uh, but anyway, he got me involved. Coach Lines was the head guy. And then yep. some legendary guys with Matto and Kerr and <laughs> uh, uh, Sharky. Yep. Uh, I mean, but we had some studs now. Our sophomore team, I coached sophomore and then helped varsity. We had guys like Casey Cordial. Uh, I remember the Benson kid, his dad works for uh, D.A. Yep. Davidson downtown. But then you had Paul Hemis, who became a Grizz. You had um, – oh, I mean, I'm going to leave guys with that. I should stop there. Had a great run. Uh, can I tell one quick fun story about that? Absolutely. Okay, so this is great. This is one of the – and if Pat listens to this, I'm toast. I am toast. But so uh, we're playing Butte High. And the, scene, uh, the varsity's hosting, sophomores are on the road to Butte High. And Lions comes out Thursday. You know, you get your final walkthrough Thursday uh, after school. And then kind of the, the, the pep talk that leads you into Friday night before the final pep talk, right? And Lions talks, he's just a great motivational speaker. And he gets up, the guys are engaged, and all of a sudden he rips open this can of dry dog food. And just kind of throws it in his mouth, starts chewing it, throws the can. The guys go crazy. And Sentinel gets high the next night, I believe. I really do believe they, they got him. So we get on the bus, the sophomores go to Butte. Always a tough place to play, you know. One of the toughest cities in, in the state, if not the, if not the world, right? It's Butte. And so we got our hands full, and we're sitting there. And, and I remember Pat. My good buddy was like trying to kind of duplicate what Coach Lyon is, and it works. I was like, "What's you know? What is he doing? He's got this plastic bag." Well, he had cracked some. He he went with the wet dog food, oh. and so when oh. he opened up the can, I think it was an error, and I think he just knew he had to go with it. 
but he had the wet dog food. He went with it. I had to call like the first four plays because he was out gagging on the sidelines, <laughs> sucking down Gatorade as he tried to perform the same feat. That was one of that was one of the best guys. That was one of the best. So, so was the moment when you were watching your fellow coaches eat dog food in the locker room that you thought, you know, maybe the coaching isn't the way I want to go. Actually, Mike, that was when I said, maybe I should be a coach. Cause that's my thought. No, I just kidding. That's maybe what tipped me over, but I'll tell you what, these guys, especially, and I will say this being around athletics for a while, these high school coaches, they don't get paid enough. I mean, you, you figure out what they make over a course of a year. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I mean, how much time they put in out of season. And, uh, and, and that's not just in football. That's in all sports, men and women. And uh, hanging around enough, Missoula's pretty fortunate to have the coaches they, they have in all sports across the board. But they do it for the love. There's no doubt about it, especially at that level. Yeah, absolutely. So – You've worked for the GSA for a long time, and obviously a big part of that is traveling around the state and meeting alums and, and kind of, you know, being part of GSA events and the, the, the Caravan Golf Tournament. I forget what exactly you guys call that. but Yeah, Spring Tour. Yep. Spring Tour. Yep. Who outside of Missoula has the best uh, Grizz fans? Oh, wow. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Um, Ah, Luke would tell you that the correct answer is Shelby. So, <laughs> oh no, no, hey, we got a lot of girls in Shelby. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to probably go the PC answer. We're we're pretty fortunate that we have. Well, let's just put it in this perspective. We've got folks in Sydney, Montana, that drive. Whoever's driven that drive, right? Even whether it's summer or winter, we have forty, like forty some season ticket holders out of Sydney, Montana. Give you a perspective, it is closer to drive to Minneapolis, Minnesota than it is to Missoula, Montana. So when you talk about the passion running through this large state, it really goes border to border. It really does. And the passion, the further away you go, the passion doesn't dwindle at all. And, and I'll be honest, that spring tour after a, a year of competition for all of our sports and rooting them on, really actually revives the coaches. It revives all of us knowing that um, there's just a lot of people that care. So, I, you know, it's a tough question. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun in Butte. We always have a lot of fun in Butte. <laughs> um, and Great Falls might get the biggest turnout. They do a great job. But we're, we're pretty well organized across the state and uh, pretty fortunate that we can even have a spring tour. That means people uh, welcome us and organize throughout the year and, and, and support us. So it's, yeah. it's pretty good. People care. I'm just impressed. I learned that, that Sydney with 40 season ticket holders for the Grizz has uh, more season tickets than Cheney does for the Eagles. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. With the, uh, with the spring tour, of course, that always has golf involved in it. So, Who's the who's the best golfers in the athletic department, and who's the worst? Uh, yeah, no, this is good. This is all this is open book stuff. Uh, I'm gonna say, for amount time played and how good they are, I'd say well, Chris Nord, but that's unfair. He's our golf coach. 
Uh, Chris Nord's up there. Ryan Martin out of the business office is up there. I can see that. Riley, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, is up there. Um, I would say, uh, you know, our AD, uh, former baseball player, heck of a baseball player back in the day, probably maybe struggles with the sticks the most. That's why you'll <laughs> see him more in a cart driving around than playing. Um, and I'm just kind of the middle guy. Dan Ingram can have days where he looks like a PGA professional, and there's days that he looks like he just picked up the club for the first time. <laughs> Perfect. Depends where we're on the spring tour, too. <laughs> <laughs> right? If it's day five out of a five-day road trip, we're all looking pretty haggard. What, what course is your favorite to golf at across the state? That's a great question. Oh, you know um, you know some of the most fun we have? It might not be the prettiest course. But the most fun sometimes we have seems to end up in Cut Bank, Montana, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we don't play the Shelby course for, you know, what is that, uh, the Marias? Or, or, Marias Valley. Yeah, which I've heard is incredible. I have yet to play it. In fact, I'm going to play it in a couple of weeks for the first time. But Cut Bank, we have just a ton of fun. But uh, there's some gems around this state as far as golf courses go, as we all know those the golf but yeah i don't know most fun is i mean they're all fun i don't know i really don't know it seems cup bank just sticks out we just have a ball just a ball you know it's it's such a big state greg and our fan span you know like you said the whole distance they also span across the decades of life how do you access and like promote the program to both like maybe the octogenarians out there and then like people who just graduated or maybe entering their first professional job in their mid to late twenties. Um, Cause it seems like it's a big, big group of people who are disparate in like space, right? Like in. Right. Australia. No, that, you know what? Uh, I think, um, I think that is one of our biggest challenges, right? Cause cost effective communication and the easiest way, not the easiest because we spend a lot of people power and resources, quite honestly, on website, on social media, e-blast type things. But there is, it's interesting because, like I just take my mom, for example. She's in her early 70s. I shouldn't say this in case she listens to this. She's actually 52. No, <laughs> she's <laughs> in her early 70s. And she's on social media, right? So I, I think it's one of those things is where is that bar from – mid sixties up and how we build and continue to build the information, but folks are pretty savvy. And I hope I'm a a answering your question the way you intended it, but there is a little break, but we know who it's from a donor perspective. We learn quickly who we need to, how we articulate our message and to who person to person or over phone, because they're not reading their emails. They're not, they're not, uh, looking at social media and quite honestly quite honestly we're having those conversations now is how we communicate to our season ticket holders the four of us probably the easiest way is just send me an email put it up on twitter we're gonna get it right um but it's those that what do you mean the deadline was july 3rd oh wow you know and it's not their fault it's well we've got to do a better job of communicating we found that out quickly when our box office said a number of our athletic employees were calling folks after 
um, the season ticket renewal and how many people did not get our information. Now, again, it's all perspective, right? And I'm thinking to myself, geez, you didn't get it. I mean, we've, we've, we've sent out a lot of different messages, but you know what? If they don't get it, they don't get it. So it's our job to, to connect those dots. And all of that goes hand in hand with the development side is telling in our story. We've got not just deadlines and, you know, here's your season ticket cost and all those things, but the, the, the power of our storytelling connects and connects people to people. And then um, hopefully folks want to get behind and support it in some fashion, whether that's buying a ticket and coming to see their favorite student athlete, their player or, or donating in some fashion. I hope I answered your question. Sometimes yeah. I can <laughs> go off and make up my own question to answer. Um, no, that was, that's that was great. <laughs> no, that's good. What, um, so you kind of, we, we kind of are talking about the spring tour, but obviously you didn't get to do the spring tour this year. So right. I guess maybe give us a kind of an update on, on how the GSA is doing and, and in comparison to maybe where we normally should be this time of year and, and kind of the big picture things that you all are maybe able yeah. to deal with because of COVID that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's a great question. So we operate on a fiscal year. It's a, it's an academic year. So our, our fiscal year starts July one and June 30. So at the end of this last fiscal year, we probably, I would say roughly lost out on uh, close to $180,000 for GSA. That comes in the way of the Conoco Grizzly Golf Classic, um, which was always held on the first Friday in June, which we did push back to the last Friday in August. And uh, happy to hear that uh, or tell you guys that the, the field is full. So that's good. But then the spring tour is, is – um, a time some some schools call it coach's caravan where you take it's a dog and pony show I mean I say that tongue-in-cheek but it's so important to connect our coaches to our fans and supporters and we really use the month of May and early June to do that it's not only a friend raiser and a thank you but it is a huge revenue generate uh, excuse me revenue generation to the GSA through golf tournaments barbecues etc that come in the fashion of about 150,000. So we're staring that down, that, that's done, that's sunk. Now we're staring down as we, as we move forward to um, an annual wine festival that brings in about 30,000 that is gonna be announced here in the coming weeks that it's canceled. We've got a Grizz auction that's always held on the night before Grizz Cat is held in Missoula that we're really taking a hard look at doing virtually. Um, and then we've got our tailgate that happens, um, you know, every home game right there out of the North, I guess you'd call it West corner of the North end zone that generates anywhere between, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year that we're, we're, you know, staring down, uh, as you know, deficit to what we normally generate, um, and, and the key thing about the GSA, which a lot of people don't get, and, and that's on us, is just the story of the GSA. And if I could just take a second, the, and this is common across all Division One, not all, but 95% Division One athletic programs 
have their own nonprofit, their own fundraising arm in our, you know, for Grizzly Athletics, that's the Grizzly Scholarship Association, with the key goal and the primary goal of raising funds for student-athlete scholarships. So when Luke and Brent and um, Mike are recruited to come here and play on a scholarship, so many times people think the president, and this would be awesome, <laughs> but it's not reality, wave this magic wand and it's, your scholarship's gone. In fact, it's the second largest cost to our athletic program. And I know we're approaching, I think this year, 5 million in scholarship costs. So when you say 5 million, that's a big number, right, by itself. But the way we, we want to educate people and, and talk through this is this is a reoccurring annual cost. And so the primary mission of the GSA is to raise those funds and help out the best we can on those scholarship costs. And right now we're committing about little over 1.5 million on an annual basis. But again, it's getting that mind frame of, okay, I'm in, I'm going to be a member for $50 or $1,000 or $250, where our hope is that they plan on reoccurring those investments back into our program. Because the more we can raise in scholarship, that comes through membership, that comes through um, going to the wine fest, participating in the auction or a spring tour event or the golf tournament, all those monies go to help support our student-athlete scholarships. And at the, the end of the day, that's, that's the mission of college athletics is to scholarship and help these men and women through getting a college education. So it's, uh, it's been a hard hit in the spring, and it's looking like it's going to be a hit in the fall. But I am confident that, uh, well, we're putting some plans together right now in our office to – try to curtail that a little bit. And I know Grizz Nation will answer the bell if we ask to keep uh, this proud tradition of Grizzly athletics going. Greg, you, uh, you had kind of an interesting point there. And of course, uh, having previously served on the GSA board, that was something I knew, but I don't think it's something a lot of people know as well too, is that you can be a GSA, like you have GSA membership levels. A lot of people tie them to seat uh, preferential seating. and stuff yep. like that. But there's, yep. If people want to be a member of the GSA and just make a regular donation, they can do that and be a, be a part of it. And it's and not hundreds of dollars. It could be a lower amount as well, too. Yeah, it can be. And there's a lot of methods now. I mean, with monthly withdrawal, if it's $10 a month, and just we can set it up that it comes out of your checking account. Um, it can be a one-time payment online with your credit card. The minimum level right now to become a member of the GSA is $50 to be recognized. Now, that's not saying if you can only afford $25 and that's a generous gift. Well, it's a generous gift and we'll gladly accept it. And so really when you look at our grand um, picture of the GSA, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Renes, there's several ways to get involved. The one that we're, we've really kind of pushed, well, the one we're going to go back and push is, is – we all know people that care about Grizzly Athletics. And there's, I hope, you know, I knock on wood, a good portion of them can possibly afford $50. And whether that's $10 a month for five months or a $50 gift or, or more. Um, but what we really tried to focus on the last couple of years, and it's going to continue, is that GSA license plate. So that's one where folks sometimes don't even know they're supporting Grizz, but they don't know where the money's going. So that license plate in the state of Montana with the Grizz script, those monies directly go to the GSA and supporting student-athlete scholarships. 
And right now, on an annual basis, we're probably raising right around $200,000 off of that license plate. Our goal in the next 18 months, and it's, it's fairly big, but is to get up and start pushing to that 300,000 level. Um, and it's, it's something that I think people like to put on their plate or their vehicle because it looks good. But then a lot of times I think people have a different plate, which is great because there's a lot of nonprofits to support around the state. But some might just get the normal plate and just say, oh, it's easy just to renew my normal plate. And those are the ones we have to urge because, you know, you pay $30 for that plate. Well, the initiation is 50, but 30 of which comes back to the GSA. The next time, the next year when your renewal comes up, it's $30. All $30 goes back to the GSA. Hmm. So there's a lot of ways to support, whether it's license plate, special events, or like you brought up, Brent, becoming a member for $50 a year. Um, and so we're, we're trying to broaden those avenues to, uh, generate revenue. And if, by the way, if you or any of the listeners have ideas, we'll take them. <laughs> yeah. Greg, it's interesting. Like in this COVID is going to be devastating for athletic departments and, you know, higher ed, higher ed institutions across the nation, but maybe just like looking at what you can control. Um, it would be really interesting if entities like the GSA, like pick this up as a challenge and they're like, we're going to increase the license plate by a hundred thousand dollars. It might supplant the money lost in the tailgating, but right. when everything comes back after we have a vaccine, like we'll come out stronger because we doubled down the efforts and broaden the band yep. of, of giving in the things we could control. Um, I think it's super interesting to see where the, the GSA and this, the athletic department is uh, two years from now. I mean, I think you're right. And, and, and maybe I'm, you know, you want long-term plans, I think, but as business owners or out in the private sector is no, no different than our athletic department. No, no doubt. We have three and five-year plans for the GSA. COVID has taken us for a loop where we have like <laughs> one month, two months, five months, but there is no doubt, and we've got to be careful, right? It is a balance because there are some folks in the business world that are thriving during this time. And of course, we're all happy for those folks, but there's, there's some folks that are really hurting out there too. And so it's finding that balance of hopefully not offending anyone, but at the same time, supporting the program and the student athletes that we all, we all care for and care about. And if we can get this short term done where folks even can donate a portion or maybe all of the amount that they might spend on a season ticket where they don't feel comfortable on coming to a game, that's where we're going to survive. And to your point, Luke, it's, you know what? I heard this on the fan podcast. I do need it next time. Renew my plate. I've got the blue one, but I am going to put that Grizz, show my support. And then at the same time, support Grizzly Athletics in the GSA. I think we all, we're going to have to dig deep and maybe ask folks to just dig as much as they can financially into supporting us because I'd be completely lying to say the crystal ball that we're, we're looking into um, doesn't look bright. Now that, again, I know people are going through tough times, so I, it's not a poor us, poor um, GSA, not, nothing like that. It's just how can we get through this together? Because I'm with you, Luke. This is short term. 
we just got, we've got to get through this fiscal year. So we've got too many great things on the line. Um, and I know a lot of the support goes in the way of football. Um, we've got great programs ready to compete um, this year, the next year, and the year following in all of our sports. So um, it's, it's imperative to keep this thing going and, and folks to, to realize, like, we are going to need everyone. And that's what's the beauty of Grizzly Athletics, and that's why I love it so much, is the season ticket holder in Sydney or the person in Billings giving $50, they should feel just as much as the family as the person that is giving hundreds of thousands because they're all so important. And that's, that is not tongue-in-cheek. I've lived this for 20 years in Grizzly Athletics, and if we didn't have the massive support we have um, – and that could be even the person that shows up to one game a year. We wouldn't be in the situation um, we're in. And that, that means competing for championships year in, year out, and graduating our student-athletes. Greg, where, um, where can the listeners go if they want to learn more about the GSA or, or maybe make a donation? You bet. We just uh, put up a new website that we're really proud of. Now other people might say, Jesus is tough to navigate. No, um, is upwithmontana.com. And so there, and not to get too confusing, but that, that is the GSA homepage, but there's also ways to give gifts where you say, you know what? I am really a huge volleyball pro, uh, program supporter. And I, I want to give There's sports specific areas. You can give, you can give to facilities, you can give to scholarship. There's a, a, a wide variety of things that folks can give to, but the GSA's website's up with Montana. If you're making a gift um, that is not tied to any seating priority or a gift to a sports-specific program, those are 100% tax deductible. They are receded and uh, run through the UM Foundation um, on campus. Hey, Greg, do you know if you guys have ran out of your uh, gator buff mask things? Holy cow. We're going to need a reorder, but no. that, that uh, We're not out yet, but I do know I think we've sold a quick 400 in a matter of a couple hours since that thing got released uh, via e-blast. I know it was up on social media earlier, but that's a, that's a cool thing that our office came up with. And, um, yeah, GSA members are going to get one in the mail in August. As a, we always do a thank you gift, um, but then we're we're opening up to to raise a few bucks and at the same time uh, keep everybody healthy out there. Yeah, awesome. Those look really cool. Yeah, I always tell people, and and again, I'll, I'll dive into this. There's a lot of opinions out there on how we stop COVID and this and that. And my deal is, if you want fall sports and you want sports this year, to me, it's it's a pretty easy decision, and I know there's more at stake than just sports, but we've got to, we all got to do our part. So, hey, Greg, um, another just, I think, interesting thing, because, again, a lot of people tie GSA just to seat preference. Give us a little breakdown about, like, the amount of money seat prefer preferential seating brings in for the GSA versus kind of the, the rest of it, the big picture, because – yeah, that's a lot of people understand all the all the the fiscal sources that the GSA has. Yeah, so and I'm just going to kind of do use round numbers, but roughly the GSA uh, raises about well, it's a little more, but let's just call it two hundred or two hundred two million a year. 
$200,000 comes from license plates. Roughly $300,000 comes from all of our special events. And then 1.5, and again, these are round numbers, 1.5 million comes from annual memberships. Out of that annual membership, I would say probably roughly 150,000 comes from folks just, I like to say giving for giving's sake, like outright gifts saying, I'm, it's not tied to priority seating or I have priority seating and I'm gonna go above and beyond what's required. And then the rest is tied to priority seating. That's kind of the, the pie that makes up how we generate our revenue each year. Cool. Awesome. I mean, we, um, we obviously want to get into some more, more exciting topics too while, while we've got you. But I think that talking about the GSA is so important for, for fans of UM Athletics to kind of understand right now. Um, one thing I was hoping maybe you could touch on a little bit is, you know, there are some great, great, um, clubs, I guess, for lack of a better word, like QB club, round ball club, things like that. And those aren't, aren't the GSA. They're, they're a separate entity, but obviously everything helps support. So can you kind of maybe explain the difference a little bit for people who maybe don't understand? Yeah, absolutely. All are run through the UN Foundation, and they're all just they're, – they're funds that are, are donated from individuals, correct? But there are different there's, – there's folks that are passionate about array of sports, whatever it may be. And there's ways to make direct impact on those sports-specific programs. And there are clubs. For example, oh, I can't even tell you uh, how men's basketball and football specifically, and actually softball come to light, that have really focused on asking folks for help. And, and so when a person donates to, say, the, and becomes a quarterback club member or a round ball club member or a hoop club or a diamond club, what they're doing is they're really impacting the resources a head coach has at their disposal. We all know about budgets um, at the state level and our athletic um, level, athletic department level, and we're very, very appreciative of President Bodner and his vision and support of athletics. He gets the value of athletics. He's a former baseball player, college baseball player at West Point. He gets the value, which is awesome. However, those state dollars we tell our coaches are only going to take you so far. So to take your program higher with the resources that you have at your availability, it's got to come through private donations. And so what that does for Bobby or Travis or Mike Petrino or Mel Michaels or Allison Lawrence, you name them through our department, it gives them dollars that is at their discretion, that can be used primarily, these are uh, affecting recruiting, so that they can go to that spot one more time or make a more expensive trip that might take them to California, then Texas. Um, uh, nutrition is a huge deal now in college athletics. Um, I would say recruiting, nutrition, and summer school. Those are the three things that impact um, the ability to recruit a high-level student-athlete that's going to do well in the classroom and on the playing surface, graduate, and give that student-athlete in that program the best ability to go win. And so that's what our sports-specific donations do. A lot of our programs, and you can read it at upwithmontana.com or call the GSA office or call Dan Ingram, 
It's all on the Up With Montana um, website. There's just a variety of ways to get um, involved. And this is not tongue-in-cheek again. It's all impactful. It's, uh, the worst thing I can hear out of a potential donor's mouth is, you know, it's not much. No, it is. Everything helps. And so that's where those sport-specific programs come in as far as the donors that support those is they're really impacting that sport to elevate their game. And there's a few that have really concentrated on their efforts of fundraising and it's paid, paid off big, paid off in a huge way. Awesome. Um, maybe, maybe to shift a little bit away from fun, from fundraising and a little bit more towards kind of Grizz athletics and, and the future and maybe some of the things that you all were working on pre COVID as far as facilities. I know that's a thing that a lot of fans are proud of and like to kind of talk about and hear more about. So what can you tell us in that direction? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I think most Grizz fans are in tune to what we've been able to do over the last five to six years. I, I believe the, the uh, total is around, well, it's past $22 million in facility improvements. I mean, the, the shining star, of course, is the champion center, but we've done things from the indoor, indoor golf uh, facility, the Rugemer indoor golf facility out at the ranch club to uh, the softball complex, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we've really, and this is under Kent Haslam's leadership, really focused on um, facilities. And for the most part, a fo the folks that come to, let's just say basketball games or football, they go into these facilities and they're like, this is fantastic, top notch. But where the student athlete spends most of their time is not in Washington Grizz Stadium or Dahlberg or um, the WAG for, for volleyball. It's the, it's the academic center. It's the locker room. It's the weight room. And those are things that we have really pushed on to address and I will tell you, our supporters and donors have really answered the bell. And when I say that $22 million, too, that is private support. That's not, that's not one state dollar going into these facilities. So the, the, the heartbreaking deal of COVID, I mean, in our little world of athletics, um, probably is our basketball uh, center. That we, we kind of have a chain, uh, a domino chain that's going to happen, and we're, we're really happy happy that it's going to happen. It just got pushed back um, till next spring, but we're going to build a $2 million Montana basketball center for men's basketball. And that will include a lounge, a meeting room and their own locker room space. And once we get that done and those monies were just at the tail end of the fundraising, we've got probably a couple hundred thousand left to just completely have that thing paid off. Um, but that was going to start this spring. In fact, uh, we said after the basketball season, so we shot for April thinking our guys were going to make a run to the final four. But uh, it could have been maybe mid-March. But we're going to push that back a year. Once that basketball center is done, then we're going to move our equipment room to kind of next door to that. So we'll get our equipment room. And then that will allow for space for our new volleyball and Lady Grizz basketball. So it's just a – a chain of dominoes that we're going to do, um, which probably when it's all said and done, will be close to 5 million, nah, 4 million um, with all those projects. But simultaneously, it's becoming more imperative to us every day 
every year that we really to elevate, um, you know, football and our track and field program, we need an indoor practice facility. And so that will be, you know, we're ta- a lot of talks about that and we've got a master planner uh, that's put a lot of work into it, but I, I would say that's on the horizon, um, hopefully sooner than later. But when we're talking about, you know, uh, the Champion Center by far was the largest project Grizzly Athletic in its history ever kind of decided to do and accomplish. And that was total project right around 16 and a half, 17 million. We're talking about something that would most likely be close to 30 million. And so when we're talking about investment, um, that will be a big deal. But I will say, and it's a kudos to the university, it's a kudos to our athletic department. That champion center was on time, on budget. We were fiscally responsible, which is expected out of our donors. And many of them said, you know what, job well done. And look what we, what we gave our student athletes and our coaches. And I think a lot of them are, are hungry to get something else accomplished. And that will be in the queue to get done. And so um, time frame on that's tough. I don't, I don't know. Um, a lot of these capital projects um, take time and a lot of them take a, a pretty significant lead gift. A lot of times you think a lead gift's about half, half of what the project costs is. Um, there's, I know the three of you could accumulate 5 million each to get to 15, but that's a, that's, that's, a private, yeah. that's, that's a private conversation, <laughs> not over the podcast. These okay. guys are going to have to move some homes. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just dropping the seed, guys. We'll talk, I'll take you out for lunch or maybe some uh, dinner. No. Uh, but anyway, so we're talking, you know, donors with big capacity. But we feel, again, the way we built the Champion Center, of course, with the great generosity of the Washington family. But then there was also a lot of people a lot of people that stepped up to make that happen. So that's, that's coming down the pipeline and it's, it's all things um, that are needed to be functional, to have space where our student athletes can train and perform and uh, prepare for their competitions. It's so funny. I got to tell, and if, uh, if he gets wind of this, he'll probably say you son of a gun, but uh, so, so funny with coach Houck, we're talking to him when he first, gets back on campus and he was really happy of course and impressed with what all happened since he had left I mean we we had moved the dial quite a bit of course with the champion center and how it affects football but we're talking about certain things and I think one of the things we're like you know we'd like to get football indoor facility and he's like ah yeah I mean that's fine but yeah I don't know and you know we're like okay no hey I mean the head football coach doesn't think it's a priority. It's not going to be a priority. Our coaches got to push what our priorities are. Well, I don't know if you remember, I think it was year one, maybe after, I don't know what spring it was. It was spring ball, maybe two years ago. And it was right. It was the worst winter. Yeah. And it was, I remember there's, and I'm going to exaggerate like six inches of just ice laid over the football field. And we take good care of that as far as plowing it and all that. And it, it, you, you could bounce a basketball. It was as hard as a hardwood floor. <laughs> and he comes through, and I'll never forget, he's going out to the field out at uh, the, the green space there um, north of campus. And he, uh, he said, Sunberg, when are we going to build this indoor? Like, let's get this thing done. 
Uh, and then it kind of quickly reminded him he's not in San Diego anymore. He's, uh, he's up here in the mountains. So anyway, it's going to be a priority and we're excited to, to tackle it and accomplish it with everybody's help. I can tell you that, you know, this, uh, QB clubber who occasionally exercises his QB club benefits to watch, uh, spring practice would appreciate an indoor facility in the early parts of spring. <laughs> so windy and cold there in March on campus. That's right. It's all about the benefits, right? Of the, the club. It's the benefits. This is what you're going to get with your $5 million gift, Mike. <laughs> if that, Mike, what, what's your favorite um, drink? I'll even deliver it to you. In your seat, watching practice after that gift made. Get that five million dollar gift. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's we called steward. <laughs> we'll steward that gift here. We'll get that done. Awesome. Anyway. Awesome. Um, we well, touched on it a little bit, but um, I was going to ask you about kind of master planning and things like that. But I, I mean, it's, it sounds like kind of what we would think is in in the hopper would be in there. Does does the kind of five million four million dollar kind of domino effect project have to be completely done before you can start focusing on the indoor facility or can you kind of be trying to you know fundraise and do two things at once there no great great that's a great question and i i honestly think um the way it will all play out is we can simultaneously do it we we really can um it, it, it is, it, it's going to take a little time to raise. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to s- sound like a smart out. It's going to take a little time to raise 30 million, but it's not going to take like five to 10 years. I mean, it, it, once we get this thing going again, and I say this, we, we pride ourselves in being good. Uh, how do you say that? We're, we're responsible with people's gifts. They, they direct it to something. We use it for that. We're fiscally responsible and we've been on time and on budget. By the way, that's not just us in athletics. That's a combination of a lot of insight from donors and expertise from donors and our campus. It, it really, and this, you know, the old cliche, it takes a village. It does. It does. That champion center does not happen if it's not for a lot of people's impact, whether it's their expertise or their, their donations. And I don't see, um, one having to take place like the, the domino effect of the Lady Grizz and the volleyball to happen because I honestly think, too, there's going to be different donor pockets. We've, we've got, as you guys know, very, very um, supportive Lady Grizz basketball fans that quite honestly might not give gifts to the indoor to help the other sports. Not that they don't like them. Their passion lies somewhere else. And we have the same in volleyball. And we found really fast that we had the same passion uh, with men's basketball to accomplish what we're going to accomplish. So, no, I think they'll, they'll happen. I mean, don't get me wrong, COVID set everyone back, right? Uh, everyone. doesn't matter what industry you work in. It, it just sets you back and you gotta, you got to reevaluate. But we're planning on getting that first domino with uh, the basketball facility done, or I shouldn't say done, started next April. And I would, if things go well and we're back and folks are healthy, I would imagine this spring we're going to do some real strong planning and finalizing what we want to do and how strategically we want to attack getting that indoor done. And it's on campus's radar. 
and I, you go back to it's got to start at the top and president Bodner's nothing but supportive of it. Um, so that's exciting. You got to have everybody's buy-in to get something this, of this magnitude done. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, maybe touch on what I think most of the people listening are going to want to hear about. What is, what's the, as, as you know, it publicly today, what does fall football season look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's so funny. Well, it's not funny, but it is my, my, my candid response to folks that I talk to on a daily basis is you, you really know what I know. And it is true. It is true because if we, we are going to communicate promptly on anything that we know when we know it. So today, right now, on the 13th of July, our plan at, at this moment, our plan in Grizzly Athletics is to have a, a football season with a non-conference and a conference schedule. Now, what's the actual probability of that? I would ask the same question of you. I mean, the temperature out there in my mind, every day that we go along, whether decisions are made at the big sky level or in our department, um, to me, it, every day that goes by, it's not favoring having a fall season. The big thing for us is we've, we got to, of course, take the safety into account of not only our student athletes, coaches, but the fans. But at the same time, I'll just be candid, we have to maximize our revenues. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're, we're, we're millions in the hole just from a budgetary, budgetary standpoint. If we have 14,000 fans, which people would die for across the country at our level. Actually, it's, some Mountain West schools might die for 14,000 fans in the, the stadium. And we show millions of dollars in deficit. So if we can – if we can assure that our fans are safe, our student athletes are safe, of course we want to play this thing in the fall. I mean, that's a no brainer, but there are options and you see it already out of the Patriot league that just tipped, whether it was yesterday, I shouldn't say tip, but decided the Ivy league decided the SEC just came out, said their decision is going to be late July. I honestly think this whole thing plays out by the first week of August. There's too many moving parts that we can't go much further than that. Any school can't go much further than that. But it's, it's funny. And I'll, I mean, three weeks ago, I'd tell people there's 80% chance we have a season and it looks like 15,000 people, depending on what's going on. Right. Cause this changes so quickly. Um, our folks have been working with County officials for, you know, a couple of weeks now and, and doing a great job. They've been awesome as far as communication with our department and, we're going back and forth on expectations and make sure, sure we get it right for our, our loyal fans. But just from my own seat, this is just my personal opinion. Each day that goes by scares me that, that this thing's going to get pushed. And, and I don't know. And I say this, I don't know any more than the three of you on this, on this podcast. I just, I, I mean, it's interesting. I heard this stat. This was, and I, it kind of went in, went through the department and I'll have to try to find this. So don't take it as fact. Pretend we're at a mm -hmm. pub, just kind of chewing on the huh. cut here, but There's I heard what our show is. <laughs> so I heard 
that through the Pac-12 canceling, and I didn't go through and look at people's schedule, but through the Pac-12 canceling their non-conference schedule, it affected the, the um, Big Sky Conference in football close to $5 million in guarantee. Wow. $5 million across the Big Sky. I mean, there's schools, as we know, and we're fortunate enough not to be one of those. And I say I can't stress that enough, and it's due to our fans and our support of season ticket and single game ticket, that they, they survive on a guarantee game or two. They survive on it. They can't do it without. So this, again, we talked about dominoes falling. This, this, the Pac-12 moving to a, a, a conference schedule only at this point in time, it's scary for our conference. It really is. It really is. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but I go back to you guys know what I know. I, uh, I don't know what to think. I really don't. Greg, well, Greg let me take this opportunity to um, just do a little seed planting of my own. And when everything, I like it. When everything gets canceled, um, three-game three game series with the Cats – uh, no, no, no. <laughs> home away, Butte. You figure out the TV revenue split, and whoever wins is the national champion. I'll for never, me. I'll never talk for Bobby Houck, but I'm pretty sure Bobby Houck would be in on that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, th- by the way, when you say that though, Luke, it, it, I mean, again, this is just like office talk. But, you know, with depending on the region, where you're coming from, um, all those factors, like we honestly in our minds thought that it could, and it still could, where it could be a home and home with Idaho State, home and home with Montana State. We might have to go play Wyoming for a quasi-guarantee uh, game. You know, and I'm just regionalizing it. Yeah. But it's, it's just interesting. And what's the scariest part? I think, and I'm just strictly talking financial. First and foremost is safety and the health of our fans, right? And our student athletes, our staff, our coaches. But the financial impact, if we start a season and we get three games in and the powers that may be across the country, local, state, call it. Say you're not having a game here or no one's coming into the state or vice versa. It's it's detrimental. And I still go back to, and I, I don't, play like say I know the power fives business and everybody loves to pound the chest and it's it's significant now the monies they get from tv right out of the power five and specifically the sec but their budgets are built just like ours on attendance right whether that means that budget's going to the remodel on campus or the library or the remodel of their locker room or whatever Budgets are built on revenue, right? No different than your personal finances. So this, this talk of, well, SEC doesn't care. No, they do care. They, they absolutely do care if they can't have fans um, in the stadium. Now, can they weather it better? Probably. But um, I don't buy it. For, and, again, this is just my little opinion here sitting on my back deck that the, the cost of not having – a number of fans, whatever that percentage is, um, would be really detrimental to, I know for our program, I can speak on our program. It would be, it'd be really tough. It would be really, really tough on our program. And I, when I say program, I'm talking athletic program 
So what is a, what is a spring season look like? I, I, that's, uh, that's powers higher than me with our big sky commissioner and the athletic department or excuse me, athletic directors, Kent Haslam. And, and of course they have been talking daily, like daily, 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 but it is interesting how this has swung a little bit to more conversation than say even two weeks ago about possible spring seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do there? You're buying yourself time and hoping yeah. fans will, will come out to, uh, to games. Now I know our football program and our student athletes, and quite honestly, that would affect all of our fall sports, volleyball, soccer, you go down the list. These folks have been training to compete come September or end of August. It would, it'd be really tough on them. It would be really tough. But at the same time, I think if you said, do you want to compete with no one watching, you know, in the stands or folks, I I don't know what their answers would be, but that's where we're at. And everybody's waiting, right. To see who's doing what, but at the same time, I can't see the answers going past a couple weeks from now. I really can't too many moving parts. Yep. I'd agree. And and it, you know, it's like we all want to be positive and optimistic. And if we can have a fall season, you know, I'm all for it safely, obviously. But just looking around, you know, I think it's good to hear. I've appreciated your answers because I think they're very based in, you know, they're realistic. It's We don't know what's going on, but we can't pretend like we don't have to be talking about other options. And I'm here for a spring season. You know what? I, I can handle a spring season. Then we can take summer vacation. Players get couple months off then we come back and have a regular fall a one-time occurrence not ideal but i'm here for it much more that just three games with the cats to throw off everything (laughs) right no no doubt well and then the other thing is like if you push say you cancel seasons all together and knock on wood we've got the best and brightest working on these things of COVID and you know trying to slow it and and the vaccines and all those good things and sooner can't come sooner (laughs) as far as like getting this thing done but I will say this though it it would be the whole dynamic of a you know when we talk about fiscal years of pushing someone's scholarship um, one full year and then adding a freshman class that cloudies it and I will say for the student athlete the the one thing that would really affect the student athlete is uh, football specifically, well, they all have that, though, I shouldn't say, but the wear and tear of the season and only having a few months to recoup yep. because a lot of their, their building up for the season really starts in the you know, summertime, even though they're working 12 months a year, but, you know, the ramp up. But then the other thing is off-season surgeries, all those things have effects on the following year. But I think, I don't know, I don't want to speak for them, but I would think our student athletes, if we said, spring season or nothing they take the spring season it's not ideal it is not ideal but and i'm not even saying it's going to happen but it does make sense um and and again i would ask the three of you would you would you rather go into washington Grizz stadium with eight thousand people not knowing each week if we're going to have an opponent and i'm being i'm exaggerating a little bit and maybe not or do you feel more comfortable that you know, COVID's kind of going away. We've got vaccines. People are feeling mentally and physically healthy, and we get a full season. You guys get a tailgate. We get a, you know, there's a lot of upside with buying some time. But you know what? This is past my pay grade, and we'll see what the country kind of comes up with. Because it won't be at the 
necessarily the feed at Bobby Houck or Kent Haslam deciding this. This will be um, definitely with our input in the conference, but, you know, there's a lot of people at the table when it comes to these decisions and presidents of universities too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, I was telling, telling you guys a story before we, we started recording, but you know, my son's little league is, they got the season going for the summer after it was delayed in the spring. And um, so he's been having two games a week and they were supposed to have a game tonight. And I showed up at the field and they were scrimmaging and the other team wasn't there. And I asked my wife, I said, where's the other team? Apparently a parent or somebody, somewhere on the other side, there was a positive COVID test and the whole team, they said, you can't play. And I don't know how long that's for, but it's like, I know that little league and, you know, Grizzly football aren't the same thing, but at the same time, they could be in the sense that you might get bad news on a test on Monday and a team says we can't come. And then all of a sudden you've got an event scheduled right. thinking yep. 15,000 people are coming and nobody can. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think the fall is, it's, and maybe spring's optimistic. I don't know, but I'd rather be optimistic and, and hope that we can be somewhat right. closer to normal in the spring. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it is interesting. And just so many moving parts and, and governing bodies and governing conferences when you talk about non-conference play. But then even when you talk about conference play, counties, states, they're governing and monitoring and um, recommendations and rules and are all different, right? And, you know, there's big discussion of can the California schools get even out of their state. Um, and, you know, so there's just so much still to be unraveled. But guess what, folks? It's got to be unraveled in the next couple weeks. Because period, it just has to be. There's flights, there's hotels, there's um, referee crews. There's, I mean, there's just a ton of moving parts that usually take months to get together and, and organized that we're just keep pushing back if we're going to alter those or, or what they look like. And don't get me wrong, we all in the, the sports, college, NF sports, or professional sports, college sports fans, we all want it to be played. But at the same time, we do, we do have to be realistic and, and figure this out. But it's going to be uh, – yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all falls out. It really is. It's funny, by the way. I've I got to tell, tell you this quick story on this, this COVID thing. Um, actually, two different things, if I can just touch on them really quick. We were coming back from the Big Sky Conference basketball tournament, which was beyond heartbreaking as we see – our, this is true story. We see our, um, our team and our coaches and our student athletes coming through the door um, as they come back to the hotel after they've been notified by Kent, who notified Travis, who notified the team, of course, um, that, you know what, we're pulling out of Boise. It's done. And they just got back through their, their um, you know, shoot around. And the emotions that came out of there, I'll never forget. I'll never forget how, and again, this is sport, right? But the time and energy, like a Saeed Pritchett has put in for his day in the sun as a senior. Um, and again, we're just talking the sporting world. There's, there's bigger things going on in this world. But that was a, a picture that I'll never forget. And then at the same time, we're driving back that same day, and we're all just kind of dumbfounded. I was with Dan Ingram. Uh, Kent Haslam and Riley Corcoran. We were in a vehicle coming back. 
and we're trying to process this all. But I do remember a part of that eight hour drive where we said, you know what? I mean, what about fall sports? And we said, wow, at least we have some time. It will get all figured out. <laughs> and now we're three weeks away. And I say three weeks, but you know, we're six weeks away from the opening of the season and there's still no answers of what we're, what's going to transpire. So I say that as just time flies and Hopefully uh, time is on our side to get this all figured out before any of it starts, but we'll see. And then the last point I want to make, because they are, it's amazing the staff we have. JC White is our head athletic trainer, supported by a number of amazing athletic trainers. And then Brandon Ronan, his wife, Rachel, and then Matt Nicholson are on our strength and conditioning side. They did such an amazing job. And this, this story does not get told. They did such an amazing job of doing their research and getting things planned and done that we were one of the first weight rooms open and functioning in all of college athletics. I'm not saying we're the first, but I know we were one of the first. And we had checks and balances and the, the mitigation plans and this and that all set up. And there were schools that were much larger than ours that I don't need a name that were calling us saying, how are you doing it? So that just kind of shows you the staff that we have that takes care and looks out for our student athletes. And that story doesn't get told. And that's one I'm definitely proud of in those two areas to allow our student athletes to A, get back and B, do what they love to do. And that's train for their, their specific sports. Yeah. And, and Brandon and Rachel have like a young baby and they were right. still right. able to balance all that. Like they're so cool. There's some they cool. are. They're awesome. They're amazing. We are so fortunate to have them and Matt on board. They do one heck of a job. That's all I can say. But it's pretty cool that here in little old Missoula, you know, at the University of Montana, we've got the big, big schools calling us saying, what's going on? How are you doing this? And, and the plan was laid out and the coaches and everyone executed and it's gone off pretty well so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood out there. Hey, guys, yeah. before, before we jump into our favorite part, which is, you know, listener questions, um, anything either of you wanted to ask Greg about that we haven't covered? I'm good over here. No, yeah, let's, let's move on to the questions. All right, Greg, so we always, uh, we always ask our, our listeners for, um, for their submissions for things to ask our guests. Sometimes they're sensical and sometimes they're ridiculous i haven't looked at them yet today so we'll see what they're asking you and us uh this week but guys uh, hold on it's breaking up <laughs> so we'll see you guys tomorrow for lunch all right <laughs> we put this out in two places we put it out on twitter and then we put it out on you know um athletics favorite website egris and uh we hear what people have to say so okay Oh, Brent, boy. Uh, why don't you start firing away some of these questions? All right. Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, we can start with uh, good old Egris here because it always comes with the best questions. So some of this is uh, relevant to a little bit of current pop culture, like the first question here. Um, how is it that all of us are dealing with the terrifying new reality where anything and everything could be cake? And this is in reference to there's like videos of bakers that are baking things that look like something else completely and then they cut into it and it's cake and the U of M man is wondering how we're dealing with this. I don't even know what that means. I'm, I'm clearly out of touch. You haven't seen this? No. 
Hey, I'm with Nugent. I, I, uh, I, I, if you saw my waistline, you'll know I like cake, but I don't know about the whole cutting into, yeah, I'm not, oh, this is how out of tune I can be sometimes. I'll be honest. And I'm not that old guys, but so folks do say this again, Brent. People okay. have these objects that look like something else and then they cut it's like, them. Well, it's, like, it's like cake. Uh, people who make cake, bakers, I guess, is what people who make cake, they're, is that what they're called? Pretty much. Yeah. They, they're now like these artisan bakers who will like make their cake look like a choco. Like you cannot tell the difference between the piece of cake and the choco. And then there's these videos of like, a person taking a knife and they're like cutting into the choco and then you're like, Oh, it's this beautifully rich uh, piece of cake. And it's almost like, Oh, is this going to be a real choco or like a basketball is, it, you know, like the objects look really identical. Yeah. That's crazy. That is, I, my deal is if it's in good humor and good spirit and it takes our mind off for a few seconds of uh, the craziness out there in this world, I, I'm for it, and I love cake. So, I mean, I guess I've seen the one where like the person has the their makes it look like it's their hand, and they cut their fingers off. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> see, that's oh man. Yeah, I don't want my I don't want my cake tricking me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Life's the, hard enough. Exactly, and I like the little scoop of vanilla ice cream on the side too. If I'm getting greedy, but there anyway, that's not the. Yeah. <laughs> Brent, I hope we got better than that. <laughs> Uh, we do have better ones. Uh, so Ursus one, um, seeing if I can summarize this, it, Greg, if you, if, and I know there's probably been like number crunching within the department, but just uh, kind of wondering what he was asking is regardless of the season, uh, what does the budget look like in terms of what is like guaranteed spend roughly? And then how much would be actually lost if say they just canceled the season entirely? Uh so if the if the football season got canceled entirely, I'm going to use round numbers, right? Be just because we're, we'll be close. It would be a close to a five million dollar loss for our program. Hmm. If we if we had fourteen thousand fans per game for a minimum of what six games, we'd be right around the two point seven million dollars in loss. And that's, by the way, after rounds of, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're cutting to the bone now. I mean, we're past, there's, there's nothing pretty about it. Um, yeah, so that's where we're sitting and, and, you know, university is aware of it and they're kind of working through it as we speak, but there's no pretty sight um, in store for us. And that's just candid. And that's where, we're going to be candid in our, our asking folks to support like, and it sounds funny. And I, I, I and it, just human nature, right? You say, Hey, we're trying to raise, I just use this number a million dollars and everybody's, well, I can't give a million. Yeah. But if we got enough people to give a hundred, 200, a thousand, 10,000, I mean, we can, we can make up some ground, but this is going to be a, a bigger issue. And by the way, when I say, these are rough numbers, so don't hang on them, right? But at the same time, we're not the only ones going through this. Right. We're, we're just one of many Division One schools. I mean, heck, you've seen sports in colleges actually been cut. I'm hearing of folks that might suspend it for a year. I mean, that, this is where we're at right now. And uh, 
I think a lot of it depends on when we're playing and if, you know, so there's a lot of things that are, that we are working on. Um, we're not just kind of twiddling our thumbs saying, Oh yeah, we're going to be in the hole. And so there's a lot of conversations being had and I'm confident with the leadership we have, we'll, we'll find the best solution to keep our program intact where we can move forward in a year's time. I think so. The next question we had, Grizzle, I die. But I think we kind of answered some of them just talking about, you know, the the. I got two kind of interesting parts. So if 2020 is canceled, do we then lobby to have the brawl the wild be in Missoula in 2021 because uh, of the offset? Do we try to get that changed over? And a second question was just if you had any thoughts on if we play a season, but then it is just decided there's no playoffs. So stay the Grizz have a great regular season, and that's that. Right. Which, and again, talking about not only us as fans, but the student athletes, that would be the shame of it. Right. Especially because I think we're all looking at what our football program is doing specifically. And quite honestly, our men's basketball, quite honestly, men's tennis, softball, all have shots of doing special things this next year. Football is going to be special and they've got a shot in my personal opinion of making a, a, a great run. That will be the unfortunate part for this staff, for these student athletes and us as fans. If they cancel the 2020 season, your guess is as good as mine. Cause we haven't even stepped into that realm of, do they just push the conference season that's been canceled to next year? That would seem logical. I, I don't, I quite honestly, I don't, your guess would be as good as mine as far as that goes, it would be a shame if we got skipped on that game uh, and we had to pass it up. I can't see that being a rational decision from the big sky, but um, hopefully we don't have to worry about that, whether we're playing in the fall or we're playing in the spring. But I, I, I haven't heard anything, and I, that's, uh, that's yet to be decided. All right. Okay, uh, we have two, other on, two others on Egress. So Grizzlies asks, what is your favorite North Dakota joke? Oh, oh. I, I only know one, and I'll be honest, I can't say it over the last <laughs> time. And it's an I've acceptable got, answer. Yep, so there, there it is. I, I, I'm not a good jokester. Folks that are close to me know that I can botch jokes. I mean, you could tell me a joke right now. I'd run in and talk to my wife and tell her, and she wouldn't laugh because she's like, you totally botched the joke. <laughs> um, so I'm not a good – I love jokes coming my way, but I'm not a good joke teller. So I – I, I'm, I would leave it up to you guys, the three of you, if you have any good jokes. I don't have any good jokes, but I'm, I'm really enjoying – guys, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a map floating around the internet right now of, like, the top fan fandom in each state. Yes. And in North Dakota, it's not NDSU. It's um, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, which I assume has something to do with the hockey being a national hour sort oh, of sure. thing. But it is sure. hilarious how upset NDSU fans are on Twitter about this. Oh, man. I can imagine. Triggered I can to imagine. no end. <laughs> well, yeah, between their hockey and uh, football, and actually their basketball program has been good in years past, there's not much joking around when it comes to the state of North Dakota. They seem to have it figured out. I'll tell you that. They've got a lot of good things going. Well, uh, we have one more here on eGrizz, and this guy, uh, CDA Grizz, he tends to ask us a bunch of um, very interesting questions. And so uh, he poses this for the group. 
then I'm going to read it verbatim. How long would it take you to eat a door, a solid core wooden door, a regular front door size? You can eat other meals during this door eating contest, etc., and you can prepare the door however you want. It's not a one sitting thing. You can eat the door at your own pace. I think Luke gets it down in three months, but I want to hear the math on it. What? <laughs> These are terrible. <laughs> so Greg, normally CDA asks us questions along the line. <laughs> you have to like, uh, wear roller skates for a whole year to ensure a Grizzly National Championship and you can't I'm in roller skates then. If that's the question, <laughs> I'm in roller skates. So Luke, could you eat what a else? So here's what I'm thinking, just outside. <laughs> How tall is the door? Seven feet? <laughs> Seven and a half feet? Yeah. Yes. So it's like what? Three and a, how how wide is the door? Four feet? Usually three, right? No. A little less. But yeah. You guys are realtors. You should know this, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Every, so every house is different, Luke. Every house is different. <laughs> So I'm thinking like you're looking at probably 25 square feet of door. And then like, you know, now you look at a depth. How, how thick is a door? You know, so you're adding like some dimensions. And I was, I was imagining like an, a, an inch a day, like a square inch a day is a lot of wood to eat. Yeah. So you're going to die. Like, the door's made out of something terrible that's going to kill you. This is ridiculous. No, well, I was just thinking, like, it would take a year because if you got, like, 25 square feet, let's say, and then, like, you know, 12, if you break it up into an inch a day, you're looking at, like, 350 inches, like, so, inches. Luke, I did a quick Google search. The area of a door is 3,024 square inches. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's 10 years. This is a 10 years. But hold on, Luke, how fast could you do it if it meant a national championship? <laughs> oh, shit. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Craig is catching on to how CDA's questions work here. <laughs> uh, he, he might be similar in my mind. I'll, I'll, bit. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. You know, I'll, um, take, I'll take some uh, some Tums, and this thing will be done in a year. All right? We're oh, my God. God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> let's move on to the Twitter questions, which ho hopefully are a little bit better. Um, let's see. So David Ferguson, Butte Grizzle wants to know, uh, when can we expect to hear the first Yahtzee baby again, which we've covered, but I love that you're getting recognized here. Um, yeah. <laughs> Curtis Wallace yeah. wants to know, does Greg usually win at Yahtzee, or does he just yell it during games because he never gets a chance to say it while actually playing the game? Those are great questions. So, one, I'm with everybody hoping that it's here in a couple of weeks because usually I'm so amped up, like everybody else, that it could be a one-yard touchdown run. If it's the first one, it's probably going to get a Yahtzee. <laughs> uh, so there's that one. The second one is – my family was so kind enough to buy us a brand new Yahtzee game because I had one with my grandparents that kind of dissolved out. And I, I will be honest, we're playing it at Christmas, got the in-laws, the four of us, and I was the last one, I don't know why, to roll the Yahtzee. 
And I did rip it out when I got Yahtzee. I'll tell you, I held on to the ah for a long time. And so anyway, yeah, I'm horrible at Yahtzee. And maybe that's why I love yelling it so much. <laughs> you know, we uh, down at the, at the restaurant, they do the, the Lady Grizz poker tournament every year. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And maybe we should, you know, just in this in these unique circumstances, maybe we should host the Greg Sunberg Yahtzee tournament. Oh, get that out there gosh. going, raise some money for Jet. We raised some money. I'm, I think we're well, on to something here. I think we're on to something. And I'm going to count on you three. And we might be the only four there, but we'll have a heck of a time, guys. I'll tell you that. We will have a – I'll oh, buy. I'll, I'll buy. Get, I'll get Tom and Stacy on board, and we'll see what we can do here. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You don't have to ask me twice. So, guys, this, this guy also wants to know, he's going to follow up, which Grizz fan pod member is most likely to cheat on their Yahtzee score? The answer is Luke. Um, <laughs> is it Luke? Is it Luke? Is it Luke? You can't be serious, Nuge. I don't – you know, here's, here's my deal. And I know you all pretty well, right? Here's my analysis on this. Is I think, and you guys could tell me if I'm wrong. By the way, only in Montana is this uh, four by four huge whitetail buck going through my backyard. And he's staring me down a little bit. Anyway, sorry if I, <laughs> holy cow. That doesn't get old, guys. Does not get old in velvet. Um, anyway, I just feel like Nugent is the real, not the real competitor, but he might, lose more nights to sleep over Grizz loss than maybe the, uh, you know, including myself. So I think it might be Nugent. I don't know, guys. You tell me if I'm wrong. Ooh. I like unsuspecting, right? Hey, by the way, that's a compliment. That just means you're a competitor. He'll do whatever it takes to win. That's a compliment. You're right, Greg. He is competitive. And here's the other thing. Did, Did you know that Mike is a twin? I did. I did. Yes, yeah, my brother works on campus. <laughs> Good-looking dudes. <laughs> we all know that John is the nicer of the twin, which <laughs> makes Mike the evil twin. <laughs> the evil twin. Who will cheat at Yahtzee? There you go. Yeah. We just put it together. We just put it together. Oh, man. <laughs> well, all right, moving on here. Um, so... Uh, Pod fan, regular, and former guest, uh, Andrew Schmidt, and everybody's favorite backup running back, um, wants to know, what's your favorite Tarantino movie, and why is Reservoir Dogs so routinely overrated by people? Oh, see, there he goes. I mean, that guy's too smart for, for me to answer any questions. I, I don't know. I, do you guys think Reservoir Dogs is overrated? Are you there? I think it's perfectly rated. I think it's rated, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not for – I mean, if you want a PG movie, it's not going to be a (laughs) – I with the kids, yeah. But, yeah, no, big fan. I'll I'll be honest. Some of his movies, though, I I can't – I can't – I'm pretty weak when it comes to stomach and, like, seeing blood and all. They get out there. So, I would say two things. One, not a huge fan. And that's going to probably nail me, but I don't mind Reservoir Dogs. I really don't. I don't know if it's overrated. Brent, Luke, anything from either of you? I don't know. I I think it's fine. It seems like it was really idolized years ago and isn't brought up as much anymore, right? 
Right. So I, I would agree. My thing. Oh, go ahead, Luke. My favorite is in Glorious Bastards, and I think Reservoir Dogs is. I don't know. I think it's properly rated, but I think it gets a lot of hype because of the dialogue and the pairing of the soundtrack. Um, yeah, there you scenes. go. Like, yep. I can't hear stuck in the middle of with you without imagining the ear scene. You know, like I can't hear that song anymore. <laughs> right. It's, it's. I thought it'd be a little lighter question. Like, do you like Hoosiers or something? I mean, who doesn't like Hoosiers? <laughs> well, he went. Uh, Andrew went deep on that. <laughs> that's not surprising from Andrew. Um, <laughs> next one for you is. Who is your favorite current Grizzly football player, and why is it All-American Matthew Donahue? <laughs> oh, O.D. O.D. Yeah. Because, oh, I love O.D. Does it come across from the – is that why – am I a homer on the broadcast? I think I am. Well, we might be breaking up a little bit there. He's special teams. It's either probably won you the game or lost you the game. You Since OD's come on to campus, I don't want to jinx him. All he does is throw strikes. That's all he does. And then in the cover game, all he does is the first one down or one of the first guys down. And as I, I love the guy, and this is not me saying, I just heard coaches call him like dad bod, but you know what? Dad bod's got it going because he is Mr. Effort. And I think he encompasses everything that's great about student athletes and Grizz football because um, his effort and attitude gets him on that field. He works at his craft. Here we go. See, I'm homering him right now. <laughs> I, I, I love the guy. I do. I love the guy. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. We, we yeah, love the we, guy. We joke with Tabor. We follow all UM rules on interviewing players. But the second he is no longer – well, the second he graduates, we are getting him on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what and he oh yeah and he's not going to give you anything special i'll tell you that but he is just he, he, he is a he is one kind dude and he's one of those guys that you'd say if i had a daughter uh his age you'd say you know what you can date my daughter he's just a good guy good guy that's always the test right right guys that is yeah would that's I a allow good this test. person to date my daughter so that's the test yep well, that's the you know, test. So there it is. I, I yeah, OD's my guy. Our listeners will be used to not getting anything special from us, so that's fine. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, not there. Um, and then last but not least, so doing this podcast, um, it's been interesting because um, we've done it for a few seasons now, and and we've actually got to know some of the pot guys that do podcasts for other teams in the Big Sky, and we, we kind of communicate back and forth and. Um, it's been kind of fun, but the guys that do the cat, the cat podcast want to know specifically one of them. His name is, where did my questions go? I had them pulled out. Is that Ryan Foley? Um, Foley and the other guy's name is Thornburg, T-H-O-R-N-B-U-R-G. He wants to know why you don't use the superior spelling of Berg in your name. <laughs> hey no comment 
<laughs> not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Once you hit pause, I'll tell you what I really think of them and their podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will take the PC answer though. I mean, you guys have to admit, and we take it for granted, but how, how lucky are we to have rivalry like we have? I mean, it's, oh, absolutely. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. I, I am, uh, <laughs> I can't. I just can't. I love. Yeah. I'm just. Thanks for the question. Works you know, for uh, us. Thanks for the question. I. Uh, it. It. It was a good question. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. No, you're I good. Really don't. This I is perfect. I do. You're right, though. You. You weigh the pros and the cons of the rivalry, and and for as many you know cons as it is, having to interact with those people, um, I'm glad we have the rivalry. It all comes oh. down as much as a positive. Well, and we know this too. Like, everybody wants to call us their rival. It's like, holy cow. Like, come on. I mean, Idaho's a rival. Um, <laughs> Eastern's kind of become, but I mean, you know, they call it the I-90 rival. But Idaho State, Weber, Northern Colorado, I mean, they all want to call us their rival. And it's just like, I feel, and, I, I, and I'm not knocking on schools because it just happens, right? Either have in-state folks that you compete against for hundreds of years or whatever but I would I would hate to be at a school that doesn't true like a rival I remember I'll never forget this I was in high school USA Today I mean this is so this is back in the late 90s had to be like 96 95 and I'll never forget this um there, there was a paper kind of circulating actually in fall and it was like around the football season and I, was, I had the good fortune to play at CMR under a guy named Jack Johnson that won a few ball games. And I remember USA Today filtering around. And, of course, you know, Jack always followed his players wherever they were, whether they're at Minot or the Cats or the Grizz, wherever. But he always followed them and supported them. But this USA Today came across and it said top 25 rivalries in the country. And they were talking specifically football. But I remember – I got to pull this up. But I remember like number 13, 12, 13, 14, was Grizzcat out of USC, Notre Dame, Army, Navy. Like you can keep listing them, right? And I'm like, this is pretty darn legit. And I was a high school kid, right, thinking this is that well known that the USA Today, right, this is when people actually picked up papers, <laughs> not read them online or whatever. But I was like, this is the real deal. And I do like, I mean, I, I've got uh, family that's a little dysfunctional because some pull the other way, some pull for the Grizz. I do have many friends that went to school there. And uh, we got to just keep that thing in check. Don't get me wrong. I want to win every time we face those guys and gals. But some folks, holy cow, that's why I'm not touching this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll accept that. That's a, trust that's a me, good, I've, good I've, answer here. <laughs> Yeah, right. Anyway, keep keep up the good work over there on that side. It's all gonna <laughs> all, all good here. Kind of Brent, around here soon. Okay, <laughs> Luke. Anything else from you guys here? No, I got, Greg. Oh, I, got I got something for Greg here. So I was th I've been thinking about this, and this has been a now a recurring topic on the Grizz Fan Pod. So you, you, Great Falls is not on the High Line. I'd say it's High Line adjacent, maybe. Yeah, it's central. I call it central, but I guess yeah, Lewistown's yeah. central. But <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you've done your—you've uh, been doing with your spring tour and everything. 
if if you were to hear the phrase the Paris of the High Line, what city comes to mind first? Well, I'm I'm gonna go with Luke and probably start with Shelby. Oh, I yes. just know I right? I mean, come on now. Yes. But now I can't show up in Cup Bank and say that. So I'm going to say, you know, we're trying to stay PC on this. I'm going to say, no way am I answering that question, Brent, on this podcast. Because <laughs> to, to me, the whole high line is Paris. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now if you were just tuning in and didn't realize that a big chunk of Greg's job is raising money, you know now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love That's it. Great. I, That's I, and, and I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> uh, and, and Luke knows this. I mean, uh, and I mean this, seriously. And, and folks should take this tour. I know other people have jobs that they've got to work the month of May, but folks should come along on this tour because everybody's welcome. The, the people on the high line, A1, A- man, that's all I can say. They're, they're phenomenal people that embody what we love about this state. So, A1. But, yeah, Paris awesome. all across that, baby. All across awesome. it. <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. Hey, yeah. Greg, is there, is there anything else you wanted to touch on while you've got uh, us, no, and your, I, us and our listeners here? I tell you what, I am humbled for uh, the invite. Um, had a ton of fun. And, uh, no, I appreciate what you guys do. I really do. And I uh, appreciate everybody out there in Grizz Nation for supporting us. We're going to get through uh, this little tough time in, in college athletics. And uh, it'll be short-term like everything else. And we've got to keep positive and keep rolling, and we'll do it. But I appreciate the time. I had a blast. Next time we do this, we'll be in person, and uh, we'll have some even more fun pre and post. There we go. There we go. All right, Greg Sundberg, Senior Associate Athletic Director for the University of Montana Grizzlies. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, Greg. Well, uh, so, hey there, everybody. We also want to make a plug for when you are looking for the Grizz Fan Podcast in the Montana Mint uh, Podcast Station. Make sure you also check out the Trivia Championship that Bear Tycoon and a couple others have put together. It's a pretty cool – trivia showdown with experts from all around the state of Montana doing some rapid fire questions and, and answer and, and uh, about anything and everything Montana. Uh, I've listened to a handful of these. They're pretty fun. Uh, Bear Tycoon brought in people, uh, history experts, uh, just students, people that are born and raised here or people that have moved here. So it, it, makes, for a, it makes for a pretty fun group to listen to. And the whole championship all the way down to the finals can be found on the Montana Mint channel. So after you've checked out the latest Grizz Fan Pod uh, and you need some more Montana Mint content, make sure you check it out. Yep, absolutely. Good trivia. Play along and see if you can beat the uh, so-called experts they lined up on that show. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens. Guys, you got anything else you want to add? No, we're good. We're good. All right. We know you. We'll see you soon. If not, we'll catch you next time. Go Grizz. Fight on.